Several weeks ago, um, I began a sermon series unintentionally. The Lord just kind of dropped a message in my spirit, preached on Jonah, titled Position for Purpose, and how God positions us for His purpose in our lives. And then the Lord just began week by week dropping uh, messages in my spirit. I'm still preaching on the position series. The next time I took the pulpit, I preached on the day of Pentecost and how that uh, God positions us for power in the church. Uh, and then last Sunday, I preached on Moses and how God positions us for protection. And speaking of protection, I'm so thankful this morning for the protecting uh, hand of God. Where is Mr. Zavian at back there? Zavian, stand up there in that chair so they can see you real big. If you saw the uh, pastor's giving you permission like to stand in the chair if you want to. What about that? Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you saw the prayer request that went out for Xavier, he got his hand unintentionally hit on a rock with a sledgehammer. Now, that was by some kids playing, uh, totally unintentional, did not mean to hurt him, but he could have had much, much, much worse outcome than what came from that. How I many knows God will position your life for protection? When you're under the blood of Jesus. So we thank God for his protection and for Zavian's good report. Give him a big hand. And um, last week, I, I have to be honest with you that I probably would not have delivered the word that I delivered last week had it not, had I known, I guess I should say, uh, later on the response that I would have gotten this week. Not because the response was bad, but just because... There were so many things that people, not only from this church, but just in our, our city and surrounding area that reached out to me that talked about issues they were dealing with, with, with uh, people in their family or maybe their children, and uh, just what that message did for them. Uh, I actually had a pastor contact me that had heard about the message and said, where's it at, How do I, uh, what was it about, and how do I listen to it? Uh, somebody told me that I really needed to listen to that message. And so I don't I don't say that whatsoever to give myself any credit. I just say that because honestly, had I known that was coming, I probably would not have delivered the word. I probably would have been intimidated to have delivered the word the Lord gave me last week. But how many knows that God knows exactly what we need to hear? Amen. God knows what we need to hear. So today I do have a word from the Lord that I want to share with you uh, as it pertains to God positioning our lives. If you'll stand with me all over the room. I'm going to read out of the book of Genesis, chapter 41, and then I will pray, let you be seated, and we will just dive right into this message today. Genesis, chapter 41, we're going to begin with verse 37. If you're watching from home, they're going to make that full screen for you. Genesis 41 and 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God is? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Joseph uh, became in charge of Egypt in verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, Make way! 
Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath Paneah and gave him Azanath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. I want to preach to you today for a few moments a message I've simply titled Position for Promotion. If you will, pray with me and for me one more time. Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing we feel in this place already today for the worship that we've experienced. We thank you what you did in the first service. And God, we're just asking you to do it again in this service today. Move me out of the way. Lord, decrease me that your spirit may be increased within me. Lord, anoint these lips to not preach my words, but to preach your words, uh, not with man's wisdom, but in the power and in the demonstration of your spirit. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Touch hearts and change lives today through your word. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. How many people in the house today, by a show of hands, would testify that you have, at some point in your life, or in, in, since you entered the workforce, received a promotion. Let me see your hands. Anybody ever received a promotion? Look at that. Almost everybody in the house. I remember as a child how that uh, at the end of each school year, we looked forward to being moved uh, to the next grade in the fall. I don't think they make as big of a deal about that now as they used to, with the exception of preschool and maybe kindergarten, but... Uh, we looked forward every year. We even we even called it promotion day, you know, when you were uh, moved on to the next grade. We looked forward to being promoted in the next class. Well, those of us that have been in the workforce can testify that most of the time, or at least when you first joined the workforce, uh, you got a new job, which was at the bottom of the ladder. Can I get a witness? You might have started with the lowest pay for that position because, because you were the new kid on the block. Maybe because company policy dictated that that's where you start. Uh, maybe because you lacked experience. And sometimes, how many knows this is right? Maybe it was because you just didn't have the right connections. Hello, somebody. Sometimes people get put in positions if you know the right people and if they like you. See, that's the key. You can't just know them. you got to know the right people and they got to like you. And sometimes opportunities come to surface because of that. And I'm sure there's been many times where well-qualified people who had the experience did get the position, but for some reason the compensation was insufficient for what the job description depicted. Or in other words, the compensation was maybe less than they would have given somebody else for the job. Hello. Even though you might have been the most qualified. But in any event, I cannot recall a time in my life when I received a promotion or a new position that just came my way without me even thinking about it. Every time that I made a position or a job change, I had to put forth the effort necessary to let people know that I was interested and well qualified. And the best way to do that was by the performance on my job. Hello. In other words, I was never handed anything on a silver platter, and I'm not complaining because I have always had a job. I've always had a good job at that. I thank the Lord for that, and I've never been out of work. I've been employed where I'm employed now for 15 years, and God has blessed me there, and they support 
my ministry. I would not find that everywhere that I go. And I'm only there three days a week because they support my ministry. So I thank the Lord for that. But I'm trying to say here, uh, listen to me, especially young people and younger generation, there is some effort required and involved if you ever want to receive the promotion. You, Well, it sounds like I just got amens from maybe everybody over 30. Hello. There's some effort and some work involved. The problem that we have in the day that we live in today is everybody wants to graduate and everybody wants to step in the same kind of job that mommy and daddy have already had, but the difference is mommy and daddy worked 25 or 30 years to get there. Hello. If you want promotion, you got to work for it. Can I get an amen? We live in a society that sometimes thinks they are entitled to everything. I'm not a fan of participation trophies. If you win, you get the trophy. If you don't, you try harder next season. You work harder. You apply yourself because that's what's required. So now that we've established about a promotion, let me give you some background on Joseph. See, the promotion that Joseph received from Pharaoh was totally unexpected. He didn't expect this promotion. And so we might ask ourselves, what qualifications did Joseph have that would make him eligible to become the governor in Egypt? He was, first of all, the son of Jacob, and he helped his 11 brothers tend his father's herd of sheep. So Joseph, by trade, was a shepherd. His brothers were jealous of him because he was favored by their father. Now, I don't believe anybody should show favoritism to their children and pick favorites of their children, but when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father, how many know sometimes some people have more favor with God because of their relationship with Him, right? So sometimes it may look like favor isn't fair, but sometimes favor is earned by that relationship. So Joseph was favored by his father. Joseph almost, though, became a statistic because after they threw Joseph into a pit, instead of killing him and leaving him to die, uh, they threw him into this pit. They didn't decide to leave him there. Now, I read something as I was studying for this message this week that was interesting to me about the pit. A lot of Bible scholars and theologians say that the pit was full of snakes and scorpions. Now, I want to tell you something. I try the best that I can to keep my man card in every instance, but you want to see this old boy scream and run like a girl, you let a snake be at my feet, and boys, it's on. You'll hear me. I'll run like a girl. I'm not the guy who goes, oh, there's a snake. Let me get a hoe and go at him. No, 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 no. Let me call somebody else to go at him. Hello. But anyway, when I thought about that, can you imagine being thrown into a pit? The pit's bad enough, but most Bible scholars and theologians say that the pit was full of snakes and scorpions. They could have left him there to die, but they decided, wait a minute. We're not going to leave him here to die. we got a better idea. So the brothers decided to pull him back up out of the pit that they threw him into, and they sold him to a caravan of Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites were on their way from Gilead to Egypt. And so when the caravan reached Egypt, Joseph was sold like a piece of merchandise to Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's officials. Joseph became a slave, a slave working in the household of Potiphar. Once again this week, as I went through this message, it blew my mind 
the number of things that are current of current relevance today that are in this message. So just stay with me. They sold him as a slave, and he worked in the household of Potiphar. Now what his brothers thought was a way to get rid of him, listen, was actually God positioning him for his time of promotion. God was with Joseph, and it wasn't long before he would be promoted to the head servant, no longer a slave, the head servant or the chief attendant, some would call him, to Potiphar. Let me encourage you today, church, whether you're here or watching online, don't curse your trials. Do not curse your trials. Joseph's story is a testimony that when God is on your side, He will take what the enemy meant for evil and He will turn it and work it out for your good. Can I hear an amen? Now, this promotion came because Potiphar noticed that the Lord was who gave Joseph success in everything that came his way. And when Joseph was successful, it benefited Potiphar. Did the position of servant or attendant qualify Joseph to become the governor of Egypt? Um, Let's go on with the story, and that question will be answered just a little bit later on in the message. But I want you to, first of all, I need to establish something. I've given you some background on Joseph. Now let me establish something with you that you need to understand today. The enemy wants to stop your promotion. What does the Bible tell us about him? The thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might enjoy life and enjoy it more abundantly. When God promotes you and blesses you, whether spiritually, physically, or financially, you will enjoy life more abundantly. Can I hear an amen? You know, uh, I picked on Caitlin first service, so I'll pick on her this service too. She just recently graduated from college. And she went into a new job in the workforce that along with that new job came a nice raise. So if you go out on the parking lot this morning, you'll find a really sharp uh, 2020 Nissan Murano sitting out there on the parking lot that she bought because of that pay increase. She's enjoying life from that a little bit more abundantly. That's a financial example. But when I listen, when I tell you that the enemy wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy, first of all, the enemy wants to steal that promotion from you. Whether it's physical, financial, or spiritual, he wants to take that from you because that's what he comes to do. He wants to kill what God has birthed inside of you. And then he wants to destroy what God's plan is for your life. But I've come to tell somebody this morning, if you will follow God's direction, God is positioning you for purpose like He did Jonah. God is positioning you for power like He did the early church. God is positioning you for His hand of protection just as He did for Moses. And God is positioning you for promotion just like He did for Joseph. And so the enemy wants to stop your promotion. So things were going well for Joseph until Potiphar's wife didn't get what she was after. For those of you that know the story, she was unable to persuade Joseph to commit the act of disobedience against God or adultery, breaking 
what God's law has established to be sin. That's a problem in the world today. God's word's already established what sin is. It's us that want to try to justify our wrongdoings. And so the enemy was seeking to steal that promotion from Joseph. But you know what the Bible said that Joseph did? He got out of Dodge. The Bible said that he ran so fast, he left his cloak behind. He ran right out of his clothes, in other words, to get away from that woman. What's the significance of that, Pastor? I'll tell you what the significance is. If you want to keep uh, your right relationship with God, when the enemy comes against you, you won't allow that to twist and turn your mind and just say, listen, as I've counseled with people over the years in my pastoral career, uh, I've, I've counseled some people, thank God that God has worked things out and put things back together. I've also counseled some people where that didn't happen and it was justifiably so. But I want to tell you something that I've heard that absolutely is not true. And that's this, the devil cannot make you do anything. I know that's not popular. The devil cannot make you, if, if the devil could have, Potiphar's wife would have persuaded Joseph and Joseph would have given up his promotion because he would have done what the enemy wanted him to do. But when he recognized that that was an attack of the enemy, the Bible says that he turned and ran so fast that he ran right out left his cloak also. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying when you recognize the enemy's at your tail, you turn right around and you run the opposite direction and pursue God with everything that's in you because you'll be glad that you did. Because the enemy wants to destroy you. So now let me move on and talk about that for just a second. So he didn't break God's law. So she failed in her attempt with plan A. As how many knows the, de- the enemy's always got a plan B? As I was doing, preparing this message, I recognized some things that are going on right now. And I know it's probably kind of a little edgy to share, but I'm going to go ahead and share it. Because the enemy, I believe, how many knows, first of all, the word establishes God is not the author of confusion. Anybody been confused lately? I've been confused. Anybody else been confused lately? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm just going to lay it out there for you. Plan A said, don't nobody wear a mask. They're not helpful. Then Plan B said, everybody wear a mask or you're giving it to everybody. Right? Then now I don't know what you call this plan because some are saying it, it helps and some are saying it don't. Plan A said that even if you peacefully protest because the government has taken your freedoms, then you are selfish, inconsiderate of others, and you're, 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 part of, you're the problem. You're the cause of the problem, and you're spreading the virus to everybody. Right? Oh, it gets so quiet. Plan B says, Plan B says, you can lie, uh, you can loot, riot, steal, and burn buildings down and gather by the masses to protest and you're considered essential and you're not causing any problems and nothing's said or done about it. Hello, somebody. I'm just being real with you this morning. Anybody confused yet? Plan B says, or plan A says, 
And, and this is kind of the ones that got me. Now listen, you heard me what I preached last week. I don't think I need to reestablish what I said. There is no justification for what took place a couple weeks ago in this country. Period. You cannot justify it. Period. There's no excuse for it. It was inhumanitarian and it deserves to be punished as such. Hello. Now let me say this. Plan A says, um, and this is the first one that came to my mind, so just forgive me. We lost some people in this church during this time and I had to have one service by graveside only with only 10 family members under the tent. We lost a 15-year-old member of this church whom was massively loved by the Tri-County area and people had to sit in their cars on a parking lot and watch the service via live stream because they were not allowed to go in and watch it in order to pay their respects to this young man and their family. But then plan B says that if you want to gather by the thousands uh, for a mass gathering for the service of a man whom you did not even know, it's okay and there's no problem with that. Am I saying people shouldn't show their respect? No, I'll tell you what I'm saying. Does that confuse anybody? God is not the author of confusion. If you're confused, you can rest assured that's not God orchestrating that plan. God doesn't work that way. The enemy is who works that way to confuse and bring further division. So since Potiphar's wife couldn't get plan A to work, she took plan B, which involved telling Potiphar how that Joseph tried to take advantage of her. Modern day theology, theology, well, I can't talk. Theology, let's just play the blame game. My plan didn't work. Now I'm going to single you out and blame you because you're the one that's wrong. Here's what happened. Potiphar believed his wife. And then Joseph was put in prison. This was certainly not a promotion. This move would not qualify Joseph to eventually becoming governor or anything else. We look at this and we think, what was the purpose for this? Or would this prison term actually work in God's favor, for Joseph's favor because of God? Listen to me. Joseph never questioned God as to why these various things were happening to him. He continued his close relationship with the Father. And he waited on the Father to lead him in his next move. See, folks, we all have undesirable events in our life. But the question is, have we stood firm in our faith and in our relationship with God? I would venture to say every single one of us in this room today has been mistreated uh, at some point in some manner during our lifetime. If there's anybody in here that has it, I wouldn't raise my hand because somebody will make sure that you get yours. Everybody has been mistreated at some point in their lifetime. We've been blamed and we've paid the price for things which we were not guilty of. Just this week I was reminded of an instance, a story whereby blame was placed and the story wasn't true or exactly the way it happened. But Somebody had to pay the price and take the blame for something they were not guilty of. We've all been passed up for a promotion. Hello. I'm sure many of you can testify to that. 
We've all faced sickness, disease, maybe fear, loss of a loved one, maybe financial difficulty. And have we been able to accept the circumstances knowing that God was still in control and that God would still continue to lead us in the direction that we should go? What did God promise us in His Word in the book of Hebrews? He even reminded us again in Hebrews 13 and 5. This originally came as a quote from Jesus from the Gospels. But in Hebrews, He said, He reminds us again, the writer said, Did He not say, I will never leave you or forsake you? See, most of us have loved ones around us or friends when undesirable circumstances occur in our lives. In some cases, this is a good thing. But in some cases, this can also be a bad thing. It depends on, if you've been tuning in on Wednesday nights, it depends on whether or not they have an attitude of gratitude. It depends on whether or not their attitude is positive or negative. Whether they are encouraging or discouraging. Whether they are helpful or whether they're destructive. But think about this. Joseph had no family. And no friends to help him. But he didn't give up or feel sorry for himself. Instead, he kept his focus on God. Joseph went from a shepherd to a slave to a servant or chief attendant and then back to a prisoner. All of these events seemed to be working against Joseph, but Joseph never once blamed God for the circumstances and the events surrounding him. I want to tell you something this morning. Your circumstances sometimes may be less than desirable. But we should never blame God for the circumstances. What did Job himself say? Consider Job. What did, what did Job, what happened to Job? First of all, he lost all of his, his cattle. He lost all of his children, and then he, he ended up losing his wife. He lost everything, but before he lost his wife, what did she say? She said, you might as well curse God and die. What did Job say? Job said, honey, I love you, but you're talking like a foolish woman. I'll never curse God. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but always in my life will be blessed be the name of the Lord. What happened with Job? Job got it all back. Job got it all back and then some. But I can promise you, had Job cursed the Lord, that would not have been the case. We need to follow Job's way of thinking. We need to follow Joseph's way of thinking. When things don't go our way and we feel that the... And I want to encourage somebody today who might feel like the weight of the world is on you. We need to look to God. And we need to praise Him for what He's done for us. And ask Him to lead us in the direction that He wants us to go. You know, when we traveled and sang, I don't know how else to say it except I found myself many times in churches that I felt like the people were just depressed and oppressed. They didn't smile. They weren't happy. You open up the floor for testimony service and it was, Pastor, pray for me. The devil's been on my back all week. Why, you know what? The devil might get on our backs. But when we come into this house, that's not what testimony service is for. We're not supposed to give glory to the devil for what he's doing 
and letting him, reassuring him that he's doing a good job. Hello, somebody. That's not what the psalmist said. No, the psalmist said, and this was unconditional to what might be going on in your life. The psalmist said, we ought to enter his gates with thanksgiving. When you come through that door, you ought to enter it with praise. We ought to be thankful unto him and do what? Just like Job. Bless his name. Why? There's something that happens when God's people, whether they're going through trials or circumstances or tribulation, when they gather together like the day of Pentecost in one mind and in one accord, and that one purpose is they've come in to lift up the name of Jesus because God promised in his word, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me and so when we come in together in one mind and in one accord and we say it doesn't matter what the devil's done this week it doesn't matter what I'm facing in my personal life it doesn't matter what I gotta face on Monday morning right now I'm just gonna lift up the name of Jesus I'm just gonna bless the name of God cause God's been good to me God's positioned my life for purpose God's positioned my life for power God's positioned my life for protection and I know God will position my life for promotion somebody ought to give the Lord some praise today hallelujah hallelujah we need to ask the Lord for wisdom to see the whole picture and not just a small clip see that's what the devil likes to do he likes to show us just a small clip and get us to form an opinion on that our faith should tell us that God wants us to have the best and he is willing and able to provide the best for us see I believe this is how Joseph managed to keep a positive outlook even when bad things were happening around him because the Bible tells us that while Joseph was still in prison in Genesis 39 and 21 says the Lord was with him he showed him kindness. Genesis 39, 21, Lauren. He showed him kindness. And he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now think about that. God provided Joseph with an attitude of kindness. Boy, can I tell you that kindness will go a long way. It really will. Just be kind. You have your choice to be anything, but you can choose to be kind. Joseph had an attitude of kindness, even while in prison. Now think about this. That led him to do everything he could do for the other prisoners and the prison warden. Listen, when we're having difficulties in our life, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I reflecting an attitude of kindness which will lead me out of my way to help somebody else? Do we show love and compassion for somebody else who is hurting or maybe has an undesirable position or a stressful circumstance? Do we wear a smile when we're hurting or do we wear a frown and feel sorry for ourselves? Because here's what I want you to understand. God's favor, if you are a child of God, is on your life. God's favor. What did the word of God say? For I know the plans, Jeremiah 29, 11, that I have for you, declares the Lord. Listen to what they are. Plans to prosper you. How many would like to prosper? I'll be the first to raise my hand. Plans never to harm you. 
How many like to have God's protection on you all the time? Plans to give you a hope. You ever had anything you felt hopeless about? And a future. Those are the plans that God said he has for us. So listen, you and I have as much favor from God as Joseph had. You may say, whoa, now wait a minute, Pastor. Joseph was an entirely different individual. Listen, though. Yes, he was. But God loves us just as much as he loved Joseph. That may be hard for you to comprehend, but God will lead us and direct our steps if we stay focused on him. Regardless of what we've done in our past, if we have repented of those wrongdoings and accepted the gift of the cross, salvation through his son Jesus Christ, regardless of all of that, God's favor is on our lives. Now, I, want to, I just want to touch on this, but what, what did Paul say to the Corinthians? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Now, she was in the 845 service this morning, but if you want one of the best examples that I know, Michaela Feltz was seated on the second row. If you knew the old creation... When I first met her, and if you looked at her now, there's one word that describes what Jesus can do. Beautiful. Beautiful. The old is gone, but the new has come. We're new creations because we accept what Jesus did for us. Our faith gives us a right standing with God the Father through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, who is in constant communications with us, listen, through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within our heart. We're going to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit in a few minutes. But while Joseph was in prison, and listen, let me just say this, because I know right now there's probably some parents that are stressed out. Listen, they're not bothering me. Don't worry about it. Don't don't feel like you have to get up and run out. I just want to say that. They're not bothering me. I think it's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that the families are in here together. Babies get tired. Sometimes, you know what, in my life, I want to scream and cry myself. But anyway, they're all right. Don't worry about them. While Joseph was still in prison, God revealed the interpretation of the dreams of the baker and the butler. God gave Joseph the interpretation of the dreams. Now listen to me. They were true because God does not mislead or give false information. They were true. I just want to throw this out there and say this. I've seen a lot, not necessarily from our church, but just a lot of Christians on social media sharing a prophecy that's out there. I just want to, I just want to um, challenge you to pay attention to what you so easily accept. Things may sound good, but if they're not in biblical alignment, you don't need to just keep on scrolling, okay? You don't need to share and, and, and all of those things and so easily accept it. Why do you say that, Pastor? I'm just going to say this because this one gets real specific. If you've read it and you've supported it, I don't know that. I'm not saying that because of that. I just want to challenge you and caution you. If you've read it, you'll know exactly the one I'm talking about, but I'm just going to leave this right here. I do not believe and I cannot find anything in this Bible that tells me God needs to speak to me through a demon. Do you hear me? If God wants to speak to me, first of all, I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. He can speak through him. Second of all, if he wants to send an angel that he's given charge over me to speak to me, he can speak through them. God does not speak to us through demons. Hello. 
Even though it might sound good, the only conversation that I want to have with the demon is I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And if he tells you something, even though he might say the Lord said it, you can rest assured it's probably the opposite of what the Lord said because he don't tell the truth. Hello, somebody. Joseph gave the proper interpretation of the dreams because they come from God. God doesn't mislead or give false information. God's plan was to promote Joseph from prisoner to governor. I'm going to move quickly. Joseph stayed in prison, watch this, another two full years, but he didn't complain about the stay. Listen, church, let me encourage you today. Sometimes in this life, your position doesn't seem right to you. But God knows what he's doing. Sometimes your position doesn't seem right to you, but God knows what he's doing. After two years, God revealed a dream to Pharaoh that really troubled him because he didn't know what it meant. In fact, Pharaoh had two dreams. One dream involved cows, John Martin, and the other dream involved grain. I can go to John Martin too. But all the magicians and the wise men in Egypt, they couldn't interpret the dreams for Pharaoh. Look at what the scripture says in Genesis 41 and 8, very quickly. In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. The magicians and the wise men could not interpret the dreams because the dreams were brought by God and not by the devil. Hello. Be careful where you're trying to get uh, your future from. No need to read your horoscope this week. No need to go to a fortune teller. I wouldn't want in the same room with that devil. Hello, somebody. Be careful what information, where, be careful where you go looking for answers. So, but anyway, these dreams could only be interpreted by a person who had a close personal relationship with God. God had already given Joseph the information concerning Pharaoh's dreams while Joseph was still over here in prison. Because God works in mysterious ways. So then we have Pharaoh who called for Joseph to come and interpret the dreams. And when Joseph appeared before Pharaoh, he said, watch this, Genesis 41 and verse 16. He said, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph proceeded to tell Pharaoh that both the dreams were really one dream. Verses 28 through 32. The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven cows... Uh, are seven years, and uh, seven years, I'm in a different interpretation, of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, verse 30. But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all of the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the family will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that follows, it will be so severe, verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been, watch this, firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Now, can't you just see Pharaoh sitting there in front of Joseph and taking all that in as Joseph is saying this? He was probably dumbfounded. He probably had this surprised look on his face. Maybe he just sat there staring at Joseph. Perhaps he was lost for words because Pharaoh probably did not know how he was going to handle this situation. But Joseph went on to talk and here's what he said, verses 33 through 36. He said, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man to put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Verse 34. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food shall be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. See, this was not Joseph's plan, but this was God's plan. This plan had been revealed to Joseph. 
God was preparing to save all the people from starvation, and he was going to use Joseph as a vehicle to implement this plan. And now that Joseph had Pharaoh's attention, and Pharaoh liked what he heard coming from Joseph's mouth, Pharaoh said to Joseph in verse 39, he said, Since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. See, Pharaoh realized that Joseph was different. He noticed that the credit was always given to God, and Joseph made sure that that was known. And knowing this, Pharaoh reasoned that Joseph must have a very close relationship with the Lord. And if somebody has a close relationship with the Lord, then the Spirit of God must be inside that person. Now, follow me. Joseph was about to be promoted. He was going from prisoner to governor of Egypt. Wow, what a transition. I got a good feeling that Joseph knew the promotion was coming because of his obedience, his faith, and his trust in God. But I'm not sure that he realized the magnitude of the promotion. Did Joseph know that his title was going to be governor over all of Egypt and that he would soon be second in command? Verse 40 of chapter 41 said this, uh, You shall be in charge of my palace. Pharaoh said this to Joseph, And all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. If Joseph was going to be governor, he had to have all the essentials of royalty. And we read that Pharaoh took the signet ring off of his finger and he placed it. This is not a signet ring, but it's a wedding band. He took it off of his finger and he placed it on the finger of Joseph. Now, a signet ring is one that had uh, an impression or a seal on it. And that signified and showed that that person was the person in authority. And Joseph's new position of governor gave him the responsibility. Watch this. Remember, he went from the pit to be a slave, into prison, and then to governor. His new promotion gave him the responsibility of being over and managing all of the financial matters for Pharaoh. Think about that. Who was in turn responsible for managing the entire country. Joseph not only received the signet ring, but in verses 41 through 43, it said that he dressed him in robes of fine linen. And he put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second uh, in command. And the people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Through all of the ups and downs in Joseph's life, God was positioning him for promotion all along. He went from living and having nothing to being in charge of Egypt. His positioning, though, catch this church, included being placed in a number of undesirable circumstances by God. And each of those circumstances enabled him to grow in wisdom and knowledge of God. With his faith and his obedience, Joseph was able to serve God. And if you tuned in this past Wednesday night, I apologize if you did. We had lots of technical difficulties, but between two videos, maybe you heard the same way that he grew was by serving God and serving others. We talked about that this week. Can I tell you something? I want you to know this. When you find yourself in undesirable circumstances in your life, you need to remember that you are in a training program to serve God better. Let that sink in. I wish I could get some people to grasp this this morning. Every day that we live, we are being groomed 
and positioned to serve the one who gave us the breath of life. That is the sum total of your purpose on this earth. Everything else God has blessed you with is just an added benefit. But every day that you live, you're being groomed and positioned to serve God. As they come to the music this morning. Joseph obeyed God by appearing before Pharaoh and interpreting his dream. He gave God the credit for the interpretation, which gave Joseph an even closer relationship with God and also an closer relationship with Pharaoh. Pharaoh was convinced that Joseph was the man to carry out God's plan. I'm going to hit this very quickly, but this is very important to note. This is one of the things that amazed me how God revealed this to me in last week's message and then also in today. Very important to note. I want you to keep in mind that Joseph was a Hebrew, not an Egyptian. That's significant. I don't know if you realize it or not, but go. I don't have time to go into it, but go back and read the animosity that existed between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. And Joseph was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. And since he would have control over Egypt... Pharaoh felt the need that he should do something to make Joseph more receptive to the Egyptians. What did he do? First of all, he changed Joseph's name. He gave him an Egyptian name. Scripture tells us Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath Paneah. The name change was necessary because the Egyptians did not like Hebrews. Bottom line, did not like Hebrews. Just because you were Hebrew, they did not like you. And the name change was necessary because they didn't like them. They also didn't like wandering shepherds. And Egyptians were more geared to remembering Egyptian names than Hebrew names. Then the next event, watch this, in Joseph's life was to receive an Egyptian wife. Joseph, who was a Hebrew, received an Egyptian wife. The Bible said in verse 45, Pharaoh gave Joseph Anazath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. There's some significance to On, too. But Potiphera was a very prominent Egyptian official who would have never had his daughter marry a Hebrew. Hello, somebody. So this was another way to bring Joseph into the royal family. And it's important to note that On was a well-known and respected religious center in Egypt. Here was the only problem, though. The issue was that the people in On worshipped the sun god. So here you had Joseph, who was a man of God, who had a, in most people's eyes, a pagan or a heathen marriage, but he did not allow this to affect his relationship with God or with the rest of the Egyptians because Joseph knew that God was positioning his steps. What are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm trying to say we don't need to fight battles in the flesh just like I said last week. We need to get a hold of God who is the one that's able to change the hearts and minds of those who might call somebody racist and they won't call them racist anymore. God can change the mind that they call you. You'll never change it by fighting. You'll never change it by using carnal weapons. But oh, when you go into your prayer closet, when you let love build up in your heart, you put on the whole armor of God. When you take the sword of the Spirit, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, when you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, when you cry out to God, God will change hearts God will change minds God will bring unity back to the church 
That's what we need today. Because what this world needs to see in a world divided is a church united. That's why I pray that God makes us multicultural. That's why I pray that God makes us multi-ethnic. That's why I pray that God makes us made up of every color. Why? Because a world divided needs to see a church united. And you know what the common denominator is? Regardless of your background, where you came from, Hebrew or Egyptian or Israelite or what we talked about last week, black, white, red, yellow, it don't matter, raised in the south, raised in the north. There's there's that problem too. Hello, somebody. It doesn't matter where you come from. There's one common denominator that can bring us all together, where we can experience love together, where we can experience peace together and joy together and the fullness of God's Spirit together. One common denominator, and His name is Jesus Christ, the name above all names that will change hearts and lives i got to bring this to you real quick, and then I promise I'm closing this time. I get three, right? Nobody amen me. I'll take four if you don't. I get three, right? Okay. All right. So when the famine came, Joseph opened the storehouse. Watch this. And he sold the grain to the Egyptians and the people from all the surrounding countries. Now watch this. Jacob, who was Joseph's father, sent his sons to Egypt to buy grain because the famine had spread to Canaan. And as the brothers approached Joseph whom they did not recognize. The Bible said in chapter 42 and verse 6, it says they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Now, if you recall, if you know anything about the story of Joseph, this is exactly what happened in Joseph's first dream that got him in trouble to start with. He told his brothers, I had a dream. You were bowing down to me. They hated him and they despised him. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying... The enemy's plan for your life is real. Your reactions are just as important as your actions. And the brothers did not even remember or make that connection. But Joseph remembered. And he knew that God's plan had come full circle. So now, let me throw this out there just because I feel like I need to. Just like I said last week about the other instance with Moses and this one with Joseph... Notice in that scripture, Joseph didn't feel the need when they bowed down to him and didn't recognize him. He didn't feel the need to say, <laughs> I told you so. He didn't feel the need to say, mm, now look who's bowing. He didn't feel the need to rub it in and say, yeah, that's right. You bow down and worship me. Why? Because that's not what the people of God do. And I am sick up to here of seeing that spirit in churches, I'm not saying this church, but I'm saying in churches all across the land. If you do that, or if you take joy in somebody else's suffering, like when uh, God struck Miriam with leprosy in the story of Moses, and if you enjoy that and think, oh, Joseph should have rubbed it in their faces, then you ain't got what I got. You got something evil in your heart, and you need a touch of Jesus because what God's people will do will stand back and say, Yes, Lord, you promised it. You brought it to pass. Thank you, Jesus. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God's plan for our life is real. It's real. But your reactions are just as important as your actions. Stand with me all over the house.
Joseph spent 11 years as a slave in Egypt. Then he spent two years in prison. He was 17 when he became a slave. You add up those years and you find out he was 30 when he became the governor of Egypt. Question is, what qualified Joseph to be the governor of Egypt? What positioned him for that promotion? I believe that it was Joseph's relationship with God. I believe it was made up of his obedience, his faith, his trust, and his allowing God to direct his past and position him into that close relationship whereby God could promote him. The way Joseph treated people, his attitude of love, understanding, his positive attitude toward God, regardless of undesirable circumstances, and his witness by giving God the honor and the glory for every wisdom and every knowledge that God ever blessed him with. Joseph had favor. But you can have favor just as Joseph had God's favor. God will position you just as he positioned Joseph. If we'll keep our focus on him, if we'll follow his word, if we'll obey his commands, and we'll listen as he speaks to us through the person of the Holy Spirit. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, I believe that that person is speaking into some hearts and minds. He's speaking softly into some ears right now. And maybe he's saying to you, you're not where you need to be with me. Can I tell you how easy it is to repair that breach? Just simply cry out to the Lord. Maybe he's saying, you've never really received me as your personal Savior. There may be someone seated in this room or watching online today that says, I've never received God as my personal Savior. Can I tell you how easy that is today? All you have to do is admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That's the first step to getting help. Admit. B, believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that He died for your sins, that He, he was buried and rose again on the third day, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Invite Him into your heart. Ask Him to forgive you and be the Lord of your life. And then see, confess with your mouth that He is your Savior. You shall be saved. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. But I also believe that today, so if that's you, when we pray in a moment, I want you to ask the Lord to forgive you and invite Him into your heart. But I also believe right now that person of the Holy Spirit is speaking into ears right now. And He's saying, that situation that you're going through, you've been looking at it wrong. You need to realize I'm still in control. I'm still on the throne. I'm still in charge. I still have a good plan for your life. You need to give me the glory. And you need to watch me work. Your promotion is coming. But you got to get your reactions right before I'll go into action. That's what the Lord's saying to some ears right now. So as they sing this morning, what I want you to do, mamas, even if you have the babies, the babies are okay if they're in your arms or on the seat. Everybody in the room, I want you to take just a few moments. Whether your situation is you need to repair some things with the Lord. Maybe you need to receive Him for the first time. Maybe you just need to cry out to Him today and just talk to Him. That person of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And He's saying, I want to position you.